So for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at, uh, at the word toxic and the way in which we relate to each other because how we communicate matters, as it says here. And, and I'm sure you have heard, as I've mentioned um, for a couple of weeks, but I'm sure that we've all heard somebody mention somebody as being toxic and this person is toxic and maybe the way that they're talking. It's, it's, it's almost one of those slang words at this point. But, you know, the way that we relate uh, to other people, the way that we relate to each other, that matters. It is a, a key component to how we live, to how we, uh, to how we live out our faith, to how we serve, to how we worship. Uh, because if we are uh, maybe communicating or, or dealing with people in conflict in a toxic way, that's going to affect our worship. It's going to affect our, the way that we serve. It's going to affect the way that we, um, the way that we serve Jesus and, and our relationship with him all the way down, not to mention the way that it affects uh, our relationship with other people. Um, so this matters. This is a big deal. And we've looked at James chapter 1, verse 19, and, and you should be familiar with this verse by now, but, uh, but if not, and maybe this is, uh, this is your first week with us, I want to start with this verse and look at this uh, difficult, simple verse, but difficult to do. It says this, James says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Easy to read, difficult to do, uh, as, as we all know, because a, a believer's relationship with others, whether you're a believer or not, our relationship with other people makes a difference. Because as believers, though, whether it's family, friends, coworkers, a, a person we run into at the grocery store or on the street, it needs to be defined by love and mercy and patience and grace. And so if we deal with people in a toxic way, we're not going to be able to to communicate in, in the way in which God intended us to. We're going to be in James chapter 5 today, uh, the last book of, or the last chapter of the book of James, I'm sorry. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can certainly turn there. If you, uh, if you have your mobile device, you can uh, find us in the Bible app, Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, uh, and you can follow along there as we look at, uh, we're, gonna, we're really going to be camping in James 5 uh, a majority of the time today. So, um, let me just do a little setup for you because we're going to start a few, first, a few verses down. But um, in James chapter 5, he's writing to, uh, to the believers, and, and he's writing to believers that are feeling wronged at this point. Um, they're feeling wronged by the rich people of the day um, who thought that they were more worthy because of their wealth. Um, you know, they could buy their way into heaven, that kind of thing. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with, with having wealth, but what it can do to you when it becomes your driver, when it becomes the thing that drives you, it can become toxic. The love of money, as Jesus said, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And, and the effect that it can have on your relationships with other people, um, the effect that it can have on your relationship with, with God and your communication with others can be toxic. It certainly can be, but, but the big idea of this passage is not money. So let me just let you off the hook there. I'm not talking about money today, if you will, but it's, it's the culmination of everything, really, that, that James has written about. That's, that's really why he's starting with this, because this brings everything together. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been wronged? Yeah, me neither. Um, no, never. Um, of course you have. Everybody has, right? We've all, we've all been wronged or, or felt wronged. And, and here is where 
quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, this is where it becomes more difficult. Because it's really hard to control your mouth when you feel like you've been wronged. It's really hard to control your mouth then. Many people, many people groups, um, many, uh, many races, etc. over the last 12 to 15 months have been wronged, felt wronged. Uh, even the church as, as a whole, holistically, has been wronged over the last uh, you know, year or so. And it's really just been more elevated and more... Um, more in the spotlight over this past year than it has been uh, in years past because some of, the, some of these things have, have been happening. Um, they're just more in the spotlight now. And they've been dealt with very publicly, some of them. But you know, one of the things that is not going to change until Jesus comes back is people being wronged or being felt wronged. That's going to continue to happen because we are sinful people dealing with sinful people. And so we wrong each other. That doesn't mean that we just go, well, it is what it is, and let it be what it is. That's, that's, not, that's also not the right way to handle it as well. But let me just encourage you from, from this point forward in, in the message, because we can think about this idea from, from a global, from a national, uh, and, and even maybe from a local perspective, if, if we so choose. But when we come together here, um, as a church, at church. Let me just encourage you to, to just look at yourself for the rest of this time. Let, let the word of God just analyze you and, and let's not think outside necessarily of, of, of maybe some of the other, other areas that you're going to. Yes, there are some places and, and peoples and all of that that have been wrong for sure. But I want you to think about yourself for the next 15 to 20 minutes here. As, as we look at this. And when it comes to being wronged, and we see people maybe that have wronged us, or we have wronged each other, I, I want to kind of teach you a principle that maybe you've heard before. But in my experience of, over the last you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years of, of ministry, being a pastor and, and, and all of that, this is, a, this is a pretty universal truth that I've found to be true when it comes to this idea, and it's this. Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. A lot of time, and, and sometimes that's you and sometimes that's me. I'm, I'm hurting. And so inevitably, a lot of my sinful reaction is that I hurt people. And, and it may not be personal toward that person. It might be. But because I'm hurting, it comes out and I, and I lash out. And I think if we keep that in mind as believers, because we're supposed to be the antithesis, right? We're, we're not supposed to deal with things that, the way that the world does. We're supposed to be the light. And we're supposed to be, um, you know, ambassadors of Christ in the way that we, we handle other people. And so keeping this in mind as we're dealing with people in our lives and circumstances in our lives where we feel like maybe we've been wronged, let's keep this in mind. Because this statement is true. Hurting people hurt people. That doesn't make it okay. Doesn't make it okay. It's, it's, it's true that this is what happens. But you know, us as, as believers, we need to we need to be honest about where we are and realize that this isn't the right way to handle things. You know, there is probably a hurt there. If, I feel like there's probably a pretty good chance that there's some, you know, someone or, or some multiple people sitting here or watching online that right now you're feeling wronged by someone. And I, I would just encourage you to keep this in mind because there's probably a hurt there from that person. On that person's end, 
that you can't see, and unfortunately, maybe they take it out on you, or it's the other way around. Maybe you're, maybe the Holy Spirit's showing you that there's a hurt in your life, and, and you're just taking it out on, on those around you. You know, as believers, we can handle this our way, or we can handle it God's way. And you can say that about so many things in this life. Where am I handling it my way or am I handling it God's way? You know, we can handle it the wrong way or we can handle it the right way. We can handle it the self-centered way or we can handle it the others-centered way. So the believers here that James is talking about at the beginning of chapter 5, they are scattered and they feel wronged. And so now we kind of have have our our heads around where they're at as he goes into this beginning in verse seven. So if you'd follow along with me here in James five, beginning in verse seven, he says this. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. The judge, of course, is, is Jesus. And it's interesting how many times, you know, twice just in these two verses, he says brothers and sisters. So he is talking to the family of faith. Listen, there will be injustices. There will be um, times that you feel um, things have been unfair. You will get ripped off. <laughs> things are going to happen. We are going to get wrong. But we need to keep this in mind. Will we turn toxic even within the community of God? Or will we remember that the Lord is coming? Jesus is coming back sooner, whew, sooner than later. Just watch the news, right? But we see what's going on. And we need to remember that he sees what's going on. Again, let's bring it back to ourselves. He sees what's going on in your life. He sees that area where you feel wronged or maybe vice versa. He knows what's going on and he is going to settle the score. He is going to settle the score. And so we either believe that or we don't. There's no gray area there. That's a hard one for us to get our head around and maybe that's a daily renewal for each and every one of us, for sure. But what does that mean for us? Well, let's, let's keep reading here in verse 13. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Okay, James gives us some advice here. He gives us some advice for those that are suffering as well as those that aren't, that are maybe happy or things, things are fine right in this moment. And we're all gonna go through seasons where it's both. And so essentially the advice is this, pray and praise. Pray and praise, very simple spiritual, dis- spiritual disciplines that we I think maybe take for granted a little bit and and don't quite think of all the time. You know, instead of griping against one another and complaining as we're great at doing, let's pray. Instead of, uh, you know, just moving on when things are going good and and not even necessarily acknowledging, let's let's pray and and let's praise. And you know, these things could be reversed as well. If you're in trouble, praise, praise God. Like, what? If, if things are, are going good, pray. These, these things could definitely be, in, be reversed. You know, the, the book of Psalms has 150 chapters. 
150 chapters in the book of Psalms. There is something in there for every occasion that you can come up with because there's a lot of verses within those chapters as well. There is at least one for every, every occasion, for every circumstance, for every situation. There is a psalm for us to sing to the Lord. You know, one of the reasons that I know our time of worship and our time of, of praise and, and, and music and such, it's so, it's so important, and it is just as important as, as the message. It's all a part of all of it. Listen, there, there, was, there was a sermon preached here about 10 minutes ago in, in the midst of a song and with a song and all of the music that's there. It's just as important and it's just as much a part of, of anything that I'm going to say over the next 10 minutes. And sometimes, I don't know about you, I've had God speak to me at times through songs that no sermon ever possibly could. I've had God um, say things to me in my car when I hear a song come on the radio and good grief, that was just the song I needed, you know, or I told Siri to just put on whatever and the song that she just happened to pick was, man, it was exactly where God just needed to like, right there. You know what I'm talking about. Music is a language and, and God uses that worship time in such a mighty and powerful way just as important as with, as with what's going on here. Our time of worship here and our time of getting together for prayer and praise in the first half of the service is, is just another form of expression to the Lord and another way in which the Holy Spirit speaks to us. You know, let me just say this. Don't write off our praise and worship time. Don't, don't write it off. And I'm not saying that, that we all do, but let me just put it this way, if I can, from a leadership standpoint for a second. Sometimes we come in late. Sometimes we, the first song is starting and half, half of us are here and we're still maybe out there. And don't get me wrong, fellowship's great and all of that stuff. But can I just encourage you in the most loving and kind way, be here. Be here and be present. Not just be in the room. Yes, be in the room. We start at 11, by the way. Be in the room, okay? But be present. Put your phone on airplane mode. I know sometimes we're like, oh, it's just a song going. You know what I mean? And I know we don't necessarily mean it, but good grief. It's just as much a part of worshiping God. And it's, and it's such an amazing time. I was ready to, to just like come up and close in prayer after that last song. I'm like, well, we've had church, right? It was awesome. But can I just encourage you in the most loving way, and I hope this doesn't come off as like, you know, I, I think you see my heart here. Be here, be present, Turn your phone off and just let the Lord say what he needs to say to you, even through, through the music. This 45, 50 minutes here of our undivided attention to God. Man, see the difference that it makes. Pray and praise. And when it comes to our conflicts with people, and when it comes to, to the way in which we felt wronged, what if we actually did what this verse said? What if, what if, we, what if we really believed it? What if we said, I'm not going to hold a grudge? Easier said than done. What if we said, I'm not going to grumble and I'm, and I'm not going to speak so quickly against those with, with damaging words against people, even if I feel like I've been wronged? And, and maybe you have, and it, and it may be justifiably so. But instead, when those moments come, when those times come, I'm going to pray and praise. And I'm going to start and I'm going to attack, if you will, that circumstance and that situation from a place of, 
of prayer and praise with a godly perspective on it, and you wait and see how different you communicate with others when that happens. Let's keep going. Verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may, he- may be healed. Well, this just keeps getting tougher and tougher, doesn't it? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, this does speak to the idea of answered prayer. Absolutely, it does. But, but look at what it says in, in full context here. When you're in full context here, it's about communication with others. It's about communication with each other and rooting out the toxic way that we deal with each other. Because instead, we do the opposite of this a lot of times. We, we hide our sins and we talk about each other. And we think that our mistakes will disqualify us. And then we treat others like their mistakes disqualify them. Especially within the church. And I'm talking holistically as much as I'm talking here locally as well. We, we can destroy each other within the family of God. We think, you know, you talk to people who have been wronged or feel wronged by the church, have had a bad experience with the church. A lot of that, a lot of times, can be wrapped up in actually the reverse of this verse. And that's on us. Because there's times that we don't look any different than the world around us. You know, instead of condemning someone that doesn't meet the standard that you set, which is toxic, by the way, that's a toxic perspective to have, what if we communicated with them? What if we communicated with them? What if we pray for them? What if we help them? And then you watch what God does. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, all of those things, all of those excuses that the enemy's putting in your head right now. Yeah, yes, all of those things. But boy, when you see what God can actually do with a circumstance and a situation and take it and restore it and make it stronger than it was before. You know, James didn't actually believe who Jesus was. Yes, he wrote this book. He was the brother of Jesus growing up as, as the brother of Jesus. It actually says in, uh, in the book of Mark that his brothers thought he was out of his mind. James didn't believe who he was. James thought he was nuts. But Jesus didn't give up on him. Jesus did not give up on him. And, and over a period of time, he started to come around, if you will. And it really wasn't until after the resurrection It wasn't until after the resurrection, and then he became one of the most prolific men in the history of the church. Jesus could have completely written him off, and so could have the apostles. The apostles could have completely written James off, be like, this guy, you know, you know how we get. But he didn't, because we don't give up on family. Look at verse 19. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth, And someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. You know, I really feel like James is speaking from experience here. A toxic heart. A toxic heart says, let him go. Just let him go. But a Jesus-centered, other-centered heart says, go get him. Go get them. 
I love them. They're family. Go get them. You know, a community of sinful people, which is what we all are, it can get messy. But what we don't do is give up on family. We don't give up on family, and we are all part of of the family of God. People can stray, if not for the grace of God, every day we have the opportunity to stray or to stay. But we don't give up on family. We're all susceptible to straying, but we need to help each other through it. We need to help each other through it. Look at what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6. So brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Sounds a lot like uh, what James is talking about here. As the kingdom community of God, we can't bail. We can't bail on each other. We we got to take care of each other. We need to take care of each other. Even if it's difficult, even if it gets messy, and it will because we're all sinful people, but we're all on the search and rescue team. We're all on the search and rescue team. And we need to think of it that way because all of us, listen, all of us are going to need it at some point, probably multiple times. <laughs> Over the course of our life, we're all going to need the search and rescue team to help us out. But it's both search and rescue. Both are needed. Both are needed. And this is a responsibility of of all believers. See, the toxic way is seek and destroy. We're great at that. We're great at that. Search and rescue is what we're called to. You never know. You never know what someone else is going through. You don't always have all the context. You don't always know every bit of what they're going through. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. But you know, if you truly love someone, you will help and be a part of the rescue mission. And only the Holy Spirit can make that change. Only the Holy Spirit can make that change and he uses us to accomplish that. He uses us to accomplish his will. We are relational beings. We are created to be relational beings. And the way he communicates is through us. One of the ways that he chooses to communicate is through us. And so let's talk to the Lord about people and then talk to people about the Lord. Think about that. Let's, let's talk to the Lord about people. Instead of talking to people about people, let's talk to the Lord about people and talk to people about the Lord. And so, and so we pray. And we talk, and it's awkward, but we speak the truth in love, or we do our best to do that, and we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Because if we're toxic, we drive people away. We drive people away if we're toxic. And, and communication, it is the way that human beings thrive and grow and, and, and make progress in the world and through our relationships. And so let's pray for each other. Let's, let's serve each other. Let's confess to our brothers and sisters where maybe we've made mistakes. And let's be on the team because that's what it means to be on the team. It's what it means to be on the search and rescue team. So my connection point for the morning is this. We are 
on God's search and rescue team. We are all on God's search and rescue team. If, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a part of the search and rescue team for those around you. And so we can either love people, we can either love people, pray for people, empathize with them, sympathize with them, serve them, be there for them, or we can react in a judgmental way, we can be holier than thou, we can be toxic, and that really adds insult to injury when we do that because hurting people hurt people. How we communicate matters. It matters. But I want to say it this way, though. Think of the impact that you can make on the world around you. Think of the encouragement that you could be to those around you. Think of the, of the way that you can improve the world around you by owning it and being a part of the search and rescue team by being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And instead of being the toxic person in the room, you're the one that brings everybody up through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that can be hard to do, but it's not you. It's him. Let's be others-centered. Let's remember that our words can be bullets or seeds. We can destroy somebody or we can plant something that grows and becomes beautiful with purpose. Or we can rip them to shreds. We can speak the truth in love with humility and, and with selflessness before the Lord. These are the tools of the search and rescue team. These are the things that we need to use because we're the church and we're essential workers. All of us. So this is a part of what it means to be the church and being an essential worker. These are the things that bring people to Jesus so that they can hear the good news about him. Will you bow your heads with me for just a minute? And I want to give about 30 to 60 seconds for you to pray. And here's why I want to do it. I believe whether you're watching online or, or whether you're here, I believe a lot of us, and maybe the Holy Spirit has brought a particular person or circumstance or situation to mind. Maybe it's a particular person that, that you need to reach out to. Who has God put on your heart? Let me just ask you to pray for them right now. And praise God for them. I'm going to give you about 30 to 60 seconds to just pray and, and pray from a selfless perspective. ask you this question. What are you going to do about it?
What are you going to do about it? You know, this has been a, this series and, and these, these kind of topics are, are difficult. And as I've said, I've, I've never preached a message I didn't need to hear myself. And this has been, this is something that, that we all need to work on. And the difficult part is then actually taking that step. But as part of the search and rescue team, we need to be willing to do it. Willing to be vulnerable and let the Holy Spirit use us. So what is God telling you that you need to do about it? Let me just say this. Go after him. We've all been rescued because Jesus humbled himself and he came to this earth to search and rescue us. He found you right where you were. He, and, and if you don't know him, if you don't have a relationship with him right now, let me just say that he's, he's found you right where you are. You don't have to come to him. He's, he's right there. You just have to fall into his arms. If you don't have a relationship with the, with the one who created you, with the one who, who knows you better than anyone else, the one who gave everything for you. Let today be that day. I'd love to pray with you afterwards. Or someone maybe in the chat can, can talk to you as well at connectchurch.xyz slash next. Father, thank you so much that you came to rescue us. Father, thank you that, that you did everything. You gave everything. You humbled yourself and put everything aside to rescue us who are so unworthy, who, who we don't deserve it, Lord. The, the undeserved favor, your grace, your mercy. God, we're, we're forever grateful. Lord, help us to not only have the perspective of that, then as we go into maybe these difficult conversations and, and situations that, that we have to have. Lord, if you've put somebody on each and every one of our minds, I pray that we would do what we have to do to go get them. Lord, as we're part of the search and rescue team, we need to speak the truth in love and to love people, and, but also to approach it from a, from a selfless, humble perspective. Help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, one watching online, I pray that today would be the day that they would reach out to you and get that right. Thank you that you love us no matter what. Thank you that there's nothing that we can do to make you love us more and that there's nothing that we can do to make you love us less. It's been awesome to be in your house today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.